You're listening to the Foreign and International Medical Graduate Show, a podcast to inspire physicians in the process of immigration to the United States and access to graduate medical education. We create meaningful and helpful content that motivates medical students and doctors throughout the world with the goal of creating a community that supports itself and gives feedback to each other, that stays updated with the most recent tips and advice on how to make it in America and become a successful resident or fellow in the speciality of your dreams. Dr. Alonso Osorio is board certified and residency trained in both emergency and family medicine and will be bringing you 20 years of his personal experiences, struggles and motivation. We'll be chatting with people like you to talk about the lessons they've learned along their personal path, how to make an impact and how we can all benefit from it. Also, we'll analyze the current resources available and how to benefit from them. Thanks for joining us. Please enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. This is Dr. Alonso Osorio. I'm back here in the studio and I'm super excited because I'm using these phenomenal new headphones. I hope that the quality of the recording is up to better standard. And if not, please give me feedback. Well, let's get to it. I meant to record this podcast when I came from work the other night and it was two o'clock in the morning and I was really upset, angry, and frustrated about a couple of prior patients' interactions. And I was feeling rather regretful about the fact that I had decided to go to work because this was an extra shift and they needed help and I just did so. And I had awful patience, awful patience, rude, aggressive, and I was angry. And I said, I cannot just go and record an episode feeling angry and frustrated. Let me sleep on it, get my thoughts together, and see how it goes. So after a couple weeks of having had gone through that, I started realizing, well, these are very rare days, and they only come every so often. Why am I saying all this? Because I wanted you guys to understand healthcare in America and what it's like to take care of patients in the U.S. And as foreign medical grads, I don't think you have ever experienced the need to really work on your patient satisfaction and your customer service skills and other tools that we use for accomplishing that, something called scripting. Scripting means literally like that, like you're reading a script, but you want it to make it sound natural and it is coming from the bottom of the heart and that is honest and just comes across that you really care. And scripting has been shown to really help to phrase back and allow to deal with conflict, frustration, customer service, etc. Well, in healthcare, nowadays here in the United States, a percentage sometimes out of your compensation or how you are rated about a, as a physician comes out of something called customer satisfaction surveys. And these customer satisfaction surveys are pretty much given by a third party. They're not really part of the hospital system sometimes. It's rare that a hospital is doing this themselves. Most of the customer satisfaction surveys are provided by third-party people, for example, like Press Gainey, which is the 
most common one out there, press, P-R-E-S, and gaining, G-A-N-E-Y. And they have been out and around from the very beginning of my postgraduate training. And every single emergency department I have worked for, for has provided feedback about my customer satisfaction. It depends on the healthcare system, but in average, I would say that the customer satisfaction across the board is around the 75th to 80th percentile. There is a very few institutions that really go up into the 80th, 90th, and 95th percentile or so. And the samples that are obtained from these customers, from the patients that were seen in the department, come just from a small percentage of them. And this is when it gets remarkably biased. And this is when I don't think the sampling is accurate. First of all, if you take care of a patient and they're satisfied, usually when you're happy, you don't really want to provide feedback about how was your experience in the emergency department. You're just happy. You don't want to open the email. You just don't go through it. You don't write beautiful things. And if you're really overwhelmed, you just don't have time to write beautiful things. In the negative part, when people are upset, and you know this with Google reviews and Google posts, they just decide to go into the website and just simply give you a one star or less than that, if possible. And it really messes up your Google reviews and your post on Yelp, whatever they go to bash you around. And... As you move into the United States type of practice, just Google yourself, type Alonso Osorio MD, and look at the large amount of websites that are supposedly offering a rated under your name. I'm lucky for the most part, it's four and five stars everywhere. My customer satisfaction surveys come back around the 93rd percentile or something like that. And there is always some top people on customer satisfaction and there is bottom people but there is always a normal distribution curve and most of the medical directors really push you towards improving your customer satisfaction skills and this is one of those things that when you are getting recruited your new employer your new medical director your new supervisor will be calling your prior supervisor to ask about how were my customer satisfaction skills well, as I said, and retaking on the fact that they send very small of surveys, I was given, for example, feedback that for the for the second quarter of the year, they received only 11 surveys out of 30 patients a day, 15 shifts a month, 450 patients that received only 11. They told me eight were good, two were mediocre, and one was bad, and the bad one was related about nursing issues. It's crazy. You wonder why out of 450 patients only... 11 of them of them return their surveys. It has to do a lot about the reliability of the information that they give us, their email, their phone numbers, their account. They send, sometimes send either email-based surveys or paper-based snail mail United States Postal Service surveys that are pretty large. So let's touch on that. What is a customer satisfaction survey? Oh, so before we go into that, just summarizing the experience uh, with these two patients. It's overcrowded, it's busy. I'm trying to get to the patients. I move really fast. I usually get to my patients as soon as they're put in the room. And it is crazy, but for the most part in America, patients think that they have the simple right just to treat you like crap. 
if they did something like this at Target or Walmart or the store down the street, guess what? You're considered disruptive. They don't want your business. You tell them to get F out of there or you call the cops, the police, security, and they get escorted out. But for some reason, these people, they just feel that they're entitled to come and treat you like crap. They don't care about your background, any sense of respect for your profession or who you are or the degree of education or the position of authority that you're coming from because there's nothing like American hates the most, which is you patronizing them. They use that word a lot. Oh, so you're patronizing me. I said, no, I'm just telling you what you're supposed to be doing and you need to hear me out, but they don't want to hear. Obviously, that has to do a lot of with personality disorders and people that are just angry people or they have underlying chronic medical conditions that they think that they know more about them than yourself. And a lot of drug-seeking behavior that plays a role into that. And the patients that are looking for narcotics and they threaten to, to complain about you if you don't give them what they want. Pretty much these patients just expect you to do whatever they want and they have an agenda. And if you don't fulfill their agenda, you're considered a bad provider because you're not called a doctor anymore. You're just a provider. So having said that, I'm not going to specifics because of HIPAA and all those type of things that we need to rule by here in the United States. I want to let you know what is a, a customer survey. So customer survey is a series of data that nowadays hospitals are getting really, really compared online. For example, just from the Medicare website, there is a hospital called Hospitals Compare, and you Google Hospitals Compare, and you have something called the HCAPS, which is the Hospital Quality Alliance Satisfaction Surveys. And... They base the service that you provided to these Medicaid and Medicare patients that get service based on the way you treated them. And these hospitals are getting reimbursed based on the way you take care of this population, which I think is just nuts. Another type of survey is the private survey that is provided, for example, like companies like Press Ganey. And... Uh, I don't know what's your individual institution's choice for a contractor of this sort of service, but Press Ganey has been around for more than 30 years. And usually they are recognized as the leader in improving patient experience because it's about the experience. And, and you probably are going to come across about the chief experience officer because you come and you tell the patients, how was your experience today? Tell me, what was it like navigating the healthcare today? Were you greeted in a professional manner? It is nonsense, but it is what you're gonna guys gonna be dealing with here in the United States. This whole old-fashioned Colombian, Indian, British public healthcare system, patronizing type of uh, behavior by your doctor telling you what to do. Uh, uh, it's not going to fly in the U.S. And simply, these patients are not going to take it. And that's what it turn, becomes remarkably difficult. And that's when you really need to brush up on your communication skills, on your emotional intelligence, and the way you communicate your ideas, your thought process, your frustrations. And if you don't know how to use a lot of scripting, I personally myself use a lot of scripting that helps me kind of navigate the customer service type of environment here in the United States. And believe me or not, believe me, 
you have only 30 seconds is what they have said to establish rapport with a patient and for them to judge you if you're going to be a good physician or not. And they care about the way you dress, the way you smell, the way you carry yourselves, if you shake hands or when we used to shake hands before COVID, and your body demeanor, if you sat down and listened to them and establish eye contact at the level of their sight, and all these little things. But in summary, these are the type of things that you're going to be asked. From the care provided point of view and from the physician's type of view, you're going to be tested on the following arenas. Number one, friendliness and courtesy of the provider. So it goes from very good, poor, fair, good, or very good. And you're expected to have like five stars, by the way. Two, explanations the care provider gave you about your problem or condition, meaning that you sat down and actually explained and took the time to tell them what was the total result of their assessment and their test results, etc. Number three, Concern the care provider, show for your questions or worries, like addressing the concern, not the complaint, because most patients have a chief complaint, but you want to really nail it into the chief concern. Number four, the care provider's efforts to include you in the decision-making process, in the treatment decisions. And here in America, that's another term, shared decision making you come up with a plan and you discuss it with the patient and the patient tells you simply no i do not agree i would like to do this and i wanted the care customized to my personal needs and we can go on forever on this and my frustration will start coming up and after 21 years of being here it's still to this day that i don't understand but you have to learn to deal with it Number five, information the care provider gave you about medications, if any. That's pretty self-explanatory. Number six, instructions the care provider gave you about follow-up care, if any. Discharge instructions, when you need to follow up, return instructions, after visit summary, etc. Number seven, degree to which care provider talk with you using words you could understand. And sometimes I have simplified my language to get these people to understand because they said that the average educational level of the people that we care for is in between third and fifth grade. So sometimes you make it remarkably simplistic and these people come back to you and tell you, don't patronize me. I understand medical terms. Go ahead and tell me. It's nuts. But they want you to speak in a simple fashion and then they concern, they're concerned about you not using the proper terminology that they wanted to, 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 to speak or refer to. You ask them, How's your urination or your defecation? They're like, they have no clue what is that. I say, how's your pee-pee and your poo-poo? And then they think you're messing with them. Number eight, about amount of time the care providers spend with you. Guys, how are you going to manage a clinic having 30 to 40 patients to spend more than five minutes with each? Going through the day, taking care of EMRs, documentation, consults, signing documentations, filling prescriptions, etc. Give me a break. But it has been shown that if you sit down and you look at them face to face, the patients have been surveyed and they have given a statistics of the perception of having you having had spent twice as much of the time as they really thought that you spent with them. Number nine, your confidence as a care provider. And number 10, the likelihood of you recommending this care provider or this facility to take care of you and your loved ones in the future. That's a big one.
huge. And then they give you a space for comments, and sometimes the patients go on forever, complaining about the nurse, the paramedic, the greeting staff, the registrar, the EMS, the doctor for getting or not giving them pain medication, for the room being too cold or too hot, for having blankets or not, for being allowed to eat or not, for having to bust the sound, whatever, for not having internet or not, you name it, for not having TV channels with cable in the room. It is nuts. But that's the, the world you're, you're going to need to learn in and what you need to get used to in just a smile. And suck it up, buttercups, because it's not going to change and it's getting tighter and tighter. And as long as contribution reimbursement by insurance companies is based on the way you provide a care from the customer satisfaction point of view, things won't be changing. And you, doctors, if you don't perform as a good customer satisfaction, you have low scores, guess what's going to happen? You will get fired. That's a, tr- a sad truth but it's the truth. So read about it. Let me know what you think. We're going to keep it going. I'm going to try to make something about customer study, physician wellness and physician burnout, because with this whole COVID situation right now, it's overwhelming. And I know many of you are going through a lot of stress. As I said, good luck to you all that are in the first semester of your residency program. And if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to leave feedback and give us five-star review. Obviously, if I deserve it, if I don't, don't give me, don't screw me up. But at the same time, feel free to leave me some messages on my YouTube channel, etc., where this podcast is also available. And keep listening. I've been producing materials, material by the end of the month. I'm gonna try to do it at least weekly. We'll see how this goes. I've been working a lot, but we'll see. I'm here for you guys. God bless you all, and I hope this helps. Thank you.